This is the Cast. So, I, I was working today, and my buddy texted me out of, like out of nowhere. He was just like, "You know how to hockey or do hockey bets, right?" And I was like, "Uh, to be honest, no. Like, I'm really bad at hockey betting because like hockey's so unpredictable and it's so hard to like get things right." Uh, and he's like, "I don't care. Just give me something." He's like, I want to post post the bet on uh, TikTok and then start a betting TikTok channel. It's uh, like people are crazy. They go for the stuff like crazy. You post one bet. And if you prove that it wins, you get like 1800 views per second or something like it's crazy. And so I'm like, well. Oh, so he's not asking for a money bet. He's just literally like, I'm going to predict something on TikTok and then make a lot of people get excited about that when I'm right. It's a bit of both because this is what he did. So he sent me a picture of his bet slip and he put after my, my suggestions was to take the safe bets, go with Tampa, Washington, and then I don't know, throw in another team that you're, you're comfortable with Philly. They're playing. So I said, Philly, Philly. I said, Philly, uh, he opted to go with Florida over Columbus, which that's a good bet. That's That's a pretty good good bet. Um, so by combining the three, he put down a hundred dollars, on this three-team parlay to a cow. cash out, and so he got a return of three hundred thirty-seven dollars and ninety-two cents. Not bad. That's so awesome. I helped. I helped him make two hundred thirty-seven bucks. So if I had his uh, TikTok to plug, I would, but I don't have it at the moment. But I, I for one, would love to be able to just uh, get to just drop a hundred bucks at the drop of a hat on hockey at, betting, especially at like eleven thirty in the morning. But yeah, hey, just like that's the COVID life, baby, is you just uh, make hockey bets whenever you feel like. Apparently, but I, 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 I have actually wanted to. I've noticed obviously a lot more people on Twitter have been talking about betting and yes. hockey betting, and I have wanted to get into it because I think like I, I, I have to obviously being careful. Gambling is gambling, yeah. Uh, but it's one of those few kinds of gambling that I could actually do. Okay, that I think I could actually do okay at mm-hmm. like i wouldn't just lose like i'm not gonna lose the house on it you know <laughs> and i've and i've thought about the idea especially just because sometimes i am a little bit just like you know i'm i'm mostly living paycheck to paycheck but hey every now and then i know enough about hockey where i could predict a goal every now and then maybe well, that'll ever, help me if you ever need help uh apparently just come to me because i apparently can help my friends win uh hundreds of dollars but i can never win hundreds of dollars myself well but now what we need you to that's... do is we need you to we need you to take the crease cast tech TikTok account, which it does exist, and uh, start doing your TikTok and start doing your TikTok betting. That's a good idea. But today we will not be talking about bets too much because instead we're actually going to be talking about something a bit more fun. Uh, we're actually talking about a win streak, like against good teams, which is People, pretty unreal. The last that- win streak we really covered was a three game stint against ottawa and then the surprise win over the winnipeg jets and that's right that was we did have the perfect slightly week. before the team imploded and got on this god-awful streak of just having wanting everyone to wholesale change up the entire organization I'll get rid of all the bum players just like do everything you can to sell now before it's too late and then the uh, press conference happened aquilini tweeted a bunch of support uh, for his management group and 
Of course, the just a few days after Jim Benning said they live day to day and they are going to deal with the trade deadline on the day of the deadline, basically, instead of, you know, in advance, uh, the team went on a win streak. So any person that was hoping out or holding out that they might do something proactive with their team and sell early so that they can be better prepared for next season, it's probably not going to happen. They are... <sighs> They are in win now mode, baby. Playoffs are back on the table. Oh, they are why? they are within three points of Montreal, uh, even though they have five games up on them. But you know, it's still it's close. enough to it's enough to it's a mirage. It's a nice mirage. It looks a little. Yeah, it looks exactly. like it's, it looks like it's right in front of you, but in actuality, it's a whole desert length down the way. It's, you know, it's the illusion of playoff success. It's right there. You just got to ignore the game ignore the 448 points percentage yeah ignore points percentage ignore the number of games played just be happy with the points and hope it all works out in the end and hope that montreal just collapses and like i don't know ottawa goes on a streak and beats montreal in edmonton and calgary only but that's it that's like your that's your saving grace this division like this division is bonkers stupid like it's so stupid as as far as as far as uh like the quality of competition goes regardless of what jim benning tells you and how tough it is it (laughs) it's no it isn't the answer is actually no these all these teams are except for like toronto and kind of winnipeg are really really bad and it is it is totally reasonable and we we said this on the last show is that you could absolutely sell ahead of the deadline, like sell some decent pieces and literally just watch two other teams trip and stumble their way right yeah. out of playoff contention. And you just kind of just have to step over them on yeah. in, into that spot and you can still make it even if yeah. your team is not at all geared to do so. So why not kind of, if anything, the way to kind of go for it, if you can is to, sell those assets because if you're if the canucks the way the canucks have been talking about everything they want to cut money and cut costs and everything and you can do that and still make the playoffs in this group i mean montreal beat winnipeg seven to one on saturday while the canucks (laughs) were beating the leafs we were all like wow this has to be the craziest game today doesn't it nope not even close seven to seven to one winnipeg beat or montreal beating winnipeg so it's and now the canucks have turned around and beaten montreal in a two to one win yesterday like this division it is entirely possible for a team that doesn't necessarily deserve to get there to get in so why not try and try why not try and sell sell off and maybe see and see if you can get in because i'm not i'm gonna tell you it's not gonna make a huge difference in terms of how good your your team is right now as far as the canucks are concerned they're winning but they're yeah. not they're not winning pretty. They're not no, winning a lot of no, games. No, those were not like, like the prettiest of wins. They were wins, but they didn't look They're grinding them out. Look great. No, they're yeah, they're grinding out a win. They're kind of, a couple of which they've uh just gotten through by the skin of their teeth last night yeah. being the big one. I mean, they're they they don't score up until the final minute and yeah. Mr. Adam Godet just comes through in the clutch at the at the last minute. Bar uh, down. Bar downski. Yeah, perfect shot. Takes the monkey right off his back, uh, and they win that, and they win the shootout. They like 
there again, yeah, this is there is no reason why you couldn't theoretically get the best of both worlds here and not in a sense of where you're dipping your toes into two pools like we've talked about before. Like yeah. in a in a sense where you are making sensible moves for the future while not letting it affect well and it while it won't drastically affect anything on the now. Yeah, I mean, you can still stick to your philosophy of living day to day and still have your long-term plan of making playoffs this year cuz I mean, look at Ottawa. They they had like a four-game win streak or two game whatever it was like recently they played kind of decent strung a couple wins together and suddenly they're only six points back of calgary and it like just kind of proves like you're saying like in this division it doesn't take much to just kind of leapfrog another team all you need is like one team to kind of just like fall on their face for a little bit and that is enough for you to kind of leap ahead so you in theory you could sell you could sell Pearson. You could sell Sutter if you, like, assuming you could find a, a taker. And, and we have somehow, some we have some trade bait to talk about today for yes, sure. We do. But you could still somehow sell those guys and still have a team that is good enough to beat some of the other teams in the division. Not necessarily through your own measures, but by the fact that they stumble over themselves trying to ensure they get there, and maybe they dropped a few to some of the bottom feeders who are looking to prove that they're not the worst team that's ever been papered on in existence, but that's just the way things go. And yeah. it'll be interesting if they kind of do that. But I mean, I mean, Vancouver has had what one good week and they've already jumped Calgary. They're already a point up on yeah. Calgary. Granted three games. Flames have good. three. Fl granted the flames have three games in hand, but still that's all it took. It really mm -hmm. is. Oh, it only took, seven days for the Canucks to go from sitting in sixth place, looking completely like just a beached whale, like a beached whale uh, to literally leapfrogging another team. But it's that close in this division. And they're only three points, again, three points behind Montreal for the fourth and final spot yeah. in that division. It is perfectly, totally possible for just two teams to stumble by the wayside while you just kind of stick it out and just kind of grind out a win or two every now and then and you can yeah. very easily bump a couple teams at that last minute with even with a kind of mediocre roster you can you can definitely like float your way to the end or, or float your way into the playoffs somehow like I remember a couple of years ago when it was like Operation Regicide when everyone was hoping that the LA Kings wouldn't make the uh, playoffs the one year and it came down to Florida not losing enough games. And it came down to like Boston beating uh, the Kings at home and not getting like a regular uh, overtime or shootout loss. And like, I don't know, St. Louis had to beat like Arizona or whatever. And like if those two things happened or three things happened, it would, uh, it would pr project the Kings to be like ninth in the division and would loot miss uh, playoffs. And it was like I this big deal. I remember when the Kings, yeah, the Kings, the Kings won the two cups in three years, and then the Canucks. That was the first, and then the first year, the Benning era. God, this is so long ago. This is like the first year with Willie Desjardins. Remember him? Uh, they, they, they make the. They're already in at this point. They've already clinched their playoff spot, and now it's just a matter of who's going to get that third shot, that third spot in the Pacific. And it came down to yeah, the Kings and Calgary. Yeah. And I remember at the time, like, just praying to God Calgary won. 
Like, and they did. In Calgary, won. They took third. They took the third place spot. The Kings missed, and the Canucks got the Flames in the first round. And I remember just being so pumped, kind of like, "Oh, we can beat the Flames." And then they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and then they then didn't. Michael Furlan beat them in uh, and, five games. Whoops. And, whoops. Whoops. and uh, Yari Hoodler, I think, was on that team as well. Uh, Yari Hoodler, well, yeah. In oops. his like stellar year before he went to Florida and then bounced out of the league like two years and later. Jonas Hiller and Kari Ramo, I think, was the, the goalie, was the goalie tandem. They, they, uh, that game six will, game six of that series will haunt me forever. I really, that entire I, series should haunt Canucks fans just because of the, the, the line rolling that Willie D was doing in like a fucking playoff game. They that, that was hard won. to watch. They really should have won. They should have won that series. Oh, they got that, outcoached so bad by Bob Hartley. Uh, who I like one of the worst like. coaches. Like, oh, that yeah, was who I do not like. I right. don't we're, like. We're not gonna. Either. We're not gonna hang no. up on. Why, yeah, hang up on it. We want to be positive because, like, right. like we said, those were. This was a good stretch. Two games against Toronto, who also lost again tonight. So, speaking of leapfrogging teams that are slumping, this is the kind of crap you need. Uh, Infinity Blocker. Who was your choice from the last two games, or one from each? This is. Ooh, there's now this is tough in this in the in the case of there are a lot of guys who could actually get it this time around like it usually we're kind of looking we're really having a dig for something but there's a yeah. lot of options here but i mean i gotta go with my class i gotta go classic <laughs> he was named second nhl second star of the week yeah and then showed up with a 29 save performance against the canadians in a game that let's be honest they only won because of him because he's the whole the sole reason they were even able to tie and come back and win that game and yeah, that was fair. demko thatcher demko i mean he he wasn't like necessary like he was as good as he possibly could have been in those games and that's where the canucks are at at this point like well they've been at this point for a while where they need absolutely great goaltending to yeah. win them games. They need and... Benson the caliber goaltending to win games, basically. Ex exactly. And they're getting that. They're getting yeah. that in a big way. Like, Demko didn't make any... I, I as, in term, Aside from, like, the Tomas Tatar shootout attempt where he tried the Merrick Malik, which was very cool, um, I will give it was, him it was points. Bold. Style, style <laughs> points. Absolute style points. Um like there weren't any like i can't i can't off the top of my head say there were like a whole lot of like five alarm saves he was making he was just steady like he was there was steady. a couple of times he bobbled the pup and or the pup <laughs> the, the puck pup. and it kind of looked like weird where like you thought like this was going to be a, a very canuck goal is that he fumbled the puck right in his yeah, there were a went, like, above him. but yeah, yeah like you said there wasn't like any kind of like two on none or three on none opportunities from montreal where you were just like this is a guaranteed goal yeah, he was just perfectly steady. He uh, he had his positioning down very well. He had a couple bobbles up in, uh, there, but his defense was there to make sure that no rebounds got uh, went out and for a prime scoring chance, more or less. Mm -hmm. He he played he played well, and I mean the the bigger reason I think we're giving it to him right now is because he was much he was much better in the two Toronto games, and I mean. You, I mean, hey, aren't you glad they did not use him in that Winnipeg game, that second Winnipeg game? Now, come on, like after yeah. those three games, I, I think holy. they made the. I think they definitely made the correct call with that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he's looked good, man. Like, he, I 
think we were saying in the last episode, like you kind of need to ditch the the term bubble Demko because Demko is just Retired. bubble Demko is literally just Demko. Like he's arrived. He's, he's here to provide winning performances. And if the team is just like somewhat remotely uh, responsible defensively, then he's going to be like unreal for the team. He's let allowed what two goals in the last two starts or whatever, like, Something sm- very small, like small potatoes, and he's playing like one of the best goaltenders in the NHL right now. Which, yeah, I, like we already said, that's what the Canucks need. But also, that's what a lot of teams, like a lot of teams, wish they had Thatcher Dem- a, a Thatcher Demko starting yeah. games for them right now, and they don't. That's one of the few things the Canucks can really, absolutely hang their hat on right yeah. now is the fact that they have as great a goaltender as Thatcher Demko at their disposal to play as regularly as they've been able to this week for sure um for me i mean the asterisk always goes to the goalie that kept them in it and demko was the guy that kept him in it these last two games uh man i think from last night it's a tough one between hughes and besser for me i am more inclined to give it to hughes because he played like 97% of the overtime period. He played like 408 of the final five, which is like disgusting. And he looked like completely fine throughout. Uh, finished the game with one assist, one point, a um, couple takeaways, uh, power play time. Like, dude was unreal. So yeah. I would think I'd have to give it to him just for like the workhorse effort. I think the next closest uh, minutes was Tyler Myers and Tyler Myers minutes weren't uh, weren't the second highest because of good play. It was because he kept getting caught out on his ice because of bad icings and getting like dummied in his own end. He, so, he had three. He had also he had three minutes shorthanded as well. That also uh, definitely tipped uh, tipped the scales in Myers' favor a little bit as well. Right, but a lot of, some of that five v five time is like what was that one shift he was stuck out for like a minute 56 or two two thirty or something oh, it was just like God. an outrageous shift where like his line could not control the puck couldn't ice it properly like it was it was rough to watch him and then man like just seeing twitter when people are like oh yeah myers has been so responsible for this team lately i'm like what play are you watching <laughs> Like, Wait, really? Yeah, like I saw this like quite a bit and quite frequently. It's just, like people like praising Myers like effort for, for working hard, and I'm like, yeah, uh, that, like working hard is fine, but that's like the bare minimum you ask of players. Like, yeah, for six million dollars, I'm not paying you six million dollars for effort, man. I'm yeah, you, you hope for you six million dollars. He's trying six million dollars. Yeah, like like six million dollars shouldn't be paying for a guy to like get pinned into his own end for three minutes at a time like twice a period it's so ugly to look at it was it was pretty rough but oh yeah the advanced stats were not on their side and new for and for hughes as well obviously the big thing we've been talking about this whole season everybody's been talking about this whole season with hughes is that his defense his defensive game has looked very suspect for most of the year it's been it has not been great it's a bit of a sophomore slump for him in that department or just whether or not that's, you know, whether that's him being, you know, exhausted from playing so much hockey last year or teams just having more of a sample size to go off of what works and what doesn't against him. 
right what have you whatever it is he's it hasn't been great in that it hasn't been great for him in that in that regard but last night he looked a lot better he looked a yeah. lot more comfortable he was he looked about he, as comfortable as you could for a guy who's playing like 50 percent of the game yeah he is playing so much hockey right now like that is death like he he's i would say it's it, it is still a little bit difficult for me to give him too much flack even for the tough defensive response yeah. because he has been playing a lot he's been playing so much that it's just like of course he's going to like look bad here and there in his defensive like positionings and like coverage is going to look rough at times or he's going to get beat on the outside and it's like cuz his fucking legs are exhausted cuz he's playing the whole game like of course it's just bound it's, to happen it's really a question of with with Hughes and the way that he's struggled this year, it's like if you took, say, let's say the 61st best defenseman in the NHL and put them on his wing or put or or put him on his pair or even just on the team, like put the 61st best NHL defenseman, whoever that is, on right. the roster. Because he's not the Canucks. Because Hughes is probably, I would argue, the only one in that top 60 from a Vancouver standpoint. Right? <laughs> if you put two. Like he's the Tyler only Tyler Myers number guy one, for sure. Oh, oh, of course, of course. Yeah. Besides him, um, like how much better do you think Hughes would be in his own end? I think because they'd have a little bit just by having even one more guy to mm -hmm. kind of to kind of like um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, like hand off some of the responsibilities to on a yeah. nightly basis. If they had someone like at least in that in the ballpark of decent, like third yeah. bet, like a guy who's still a second, like the best second pairing defenseman yeah i imagine that be, he would a be getting a few more prime matchups than he is right now where he's playing against the absolutely playing against the toughest competition with the worst line sometimes uh on his own end on his own end um he would be doing his numbers and i think he would be playing a lot more confidently a lot more better quick like more over the course of time. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but that's kind of how I feel like things could have could go if they had someone a little bit better. I guess Nate Schmidt is in that conversation. I guess Nate Schmidt should be considered. He is, that. but like the coaches don't ever deploy Schmidt with Hughes. Like ever. It like rarely happens. Like they don't I don't think they and want Schmidt, two left shot guys. And Schmidt something. has struggled to adapt here, so he might like have taken him like at least in the in the most of the season. Like he's getting better. He's definitely yeah. getting like he's showing signs of getting it. A little bit more recently but he's kind of i would say maybe he's played himself a little bit out of the conversation I, but like let's say a third let's okay then we'll even then we'll say a third like just a third to kind of like half of your guys are in a decent spot enough where you have where you're not worried about hughes and his deployment so much that you have to send him out 30 minutes a night if you don't need to i think it's a situation where the canucks have two mobile defensemen there's hughes and there's schmidt you can't put them both on a pair together because then your bottom four are completely immobile. They're just pylons, basically. Like you can't have Edler Myers because that is that's just gonna get caved in and destroyed by any teams coming with speed. If you ben, have is a, ben and Hamannick are fine for speed, but like they're not guys you'd be like, oh yeah, they're the speedy guy on a pair with like a slow guy. Like they're just complementary depth pieces like realistically speaking you have schmidt who would be like the number like the second best right shot or sorry left shot guy playing on the right side and that's where he is with edler on his left but 
Hughes is basically getting like a mix and match of Hamannick, Myers, and Ben. Three guys who are very slow, who can't really keep up with him. Or you have Myers who uses his speed to do whatever he wants in the offensive zone whenever he feels like it, which doesn't really mesh with he Quinn Hughes. goes rogue. It's because, so funny. Because it's like on, on a pair like that, Quinn Hughes is the guy that's supposed to go rogue because he knows when and where to go, where to pinch, where to move up, where to like execute effectively. Whereas Myers is just like, I'm going to go for a skate and hopefully it works. I don't know, but let's try it. He literally uses like, like the, the guy AI like, that just takes and decides to just glitch out for a couple yeah, seconds at a time. He's like, like the I'm going to pull the puck back yeah. out of the zone, even though we have control. Like, no, yeah. Tyler, what are you doing? Like, yeah, we ha- let us, let us. <laughs> oh man, that that one play where he's like just behind the blue line and he plays it into the offensive zone when everyone's trying to change uh, or. Um, to get back on side and so he just hands over possession and you're like what are you doing he, you know you're behind the blue line and everyone's offside awful. Like, yeah so like that that's like my whole point is like hughes doesn't have anyone with hockey sense that can play on his right side that won't detriment be a detriment to the other two pairs so they need someone better on the right side so like we can get into this a bit later with uh some of the trade talks but Right now, like he's putting in tons of minutes with a bunch of guys he has zero chemistry with who can't provide what a Chris Tanev could because Chris Tanev could skate and he could actually, he had the hockey IQ to know what kind of offensive reads that Hughes was going to do. And Hamannick and Ben and Myers combined aren't offering a semblance of what Chris Tanev knew. They don't fit the piece. They don't fit the piece. No, not at all. Which is, is tough because, like, yeah, like a kid shouldn't be the second in the league for defenseman scoring and just like constantly getting beat back in his own end because his other partner lost the puck along the blue line or decided to try and drive on the net like a power forward and lost the puck like an idiot. Yeah. So it's tough, but you know, I'll give him the infinity blocker because, you know, good, good for the little guy. Yeah, still he's trying like, his hardest for all the minutes he does. And the fact that like the coach still trusts him to play 30 minutes a game or four minutes out of a five minute overtime. Like obviously all the defensive flaws, like they even recognize, like we got no other option. It's, it's yeah. Hughes or bust basically. Uh, everyone else is too slow. So hopefully Hughes can do it. And so far he's been able to do it is ignore all the underlying metrics, but yeah. yeah. At least for at least for now, until you can get him some steady a steady pairing, and then if yeah. you want to judge, then that's a little bit. I think it's a little like I mean, you can judge whenever you want, but I mean, I think it you'll. I think the numbers would improve if you got him if you got him steady a steady yeah. proper a well suited uh, pair on that first line on that first yeah. pair. Uh, other players of the game, um, Bo Horvat kind of looked a bit better after being very quiet uh, yeah. for this team. I think we were, I think one of our first episodes or not first episodes, but like second or third. And we were talking about like who was looking good for the team. And I think Horvat Hoglander and Pearson were the only forwards worth even remotely talking about. Cause they, they were the only ones who actually looked good in both ends of the ice. They fit um, so well. They were and then, that, that line fit very well together at the beginning of the season. They were hot, and, and then uh, the season then it, continued. <laughs> then the and, season uh, continued. He disappeared a bit, pretty heavily. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, he he does do that from time to time, doesn't he? He has like those stretches where he kind of goes, where he just kind of, where you just kind of, not that you forget he's there. Like Horvat's a guy who just because of his role, you never forget yeah. that he's, you never forget that he's on your team, like he's involved in the rush or in the play. But yeah. you'll notice he, you know, he's not making necessarily the magic plays that he did say during St. against St. Louis in the playoffs and that sort of thing. Like the points where he would just all of a sudden go, okay, this is my time to shine and just uh, start and start doing some uh, great stuff. And oh, what happened? Uh, what up? News breaking on the show right now. Uh, Wait, Matt Sakaris just tweeted out that he's uh, coming back with Blake Price in a one-to-one uh, show right now. In a one to like so like him and uh, Blake Price I guess are going to be recording their own podcast or something like that or radio show. Oh, uh, when you said breaking news, I literally thought you were going to tell me a trade or something like a. Oh trade God, no! That's dropped. not that's not I was important. Like, Wait, what? Like nobody cares about trades in hockey. It's all about local media and what they're doing. Uh, I, hey, good for them. Good for yeah. them. That's awesome. So though. that's exciting. But anyway, we'll, we won't talk about that. Uh, other player outside of Horvat who finally decided to return. Niels Hoglander, well, under the uh, proper spelling, oh yeah, uh, made They're his triumphant return, and he had his umlaut brought to the jersey, and scores a major goal. It's absolutely nasty. If you haven't seen the clip, you got to search it because it's a sick goal. So good, no one knew it was in except him. Uh. Oh, that it's so perfect when like a guy is celebrating, like the whole team is celebrating, and the entire like Leafs team is like trying to keep playing and they're just like nope nope and refs have to blow it dead because they're like well they're not going to start playing again so i guess we have to blow it dead and usually That's... the rule is when it's not like a goal until the ref says it is so you have to keep playing through so that's actually like wild they just blew it dead that's literally a like a tactic you should always if you are if you are darn sure you scored like even if you're if if you think you scored Mm -hmm. always cheer like go yeah. nuts like you did because the ref will always stop play for that every yeah. time they will never go uh i didn't see it go in and let the play go up and on for a five on oh they will ne yeah. because the ref because if they're because the ref is too scared that if they're wrong that they'll look very bad on yeah. that they'll look very bad so they will always blow it dead just to be safe yeah. it is that is a very veteran move by hoglander yeah. If he knew that puck was in, yes, you celebrate because they will not they will not let the play go up that way. No matter what they no matter what, they will immediately stop for a conference. It's so I, funny. I will never doubt the short king himself. If he ever if he ever says he scores a goal, I'm just gonna believe it. And anyone who says he didn't, I, I will fight them. <laughs> How dare they question him? Puck's like uh the puck's in the other end, but he's celebrating, yeah. it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, he scored. I trust him. I he's on the he's in the press box or he's like having a seat. He's just yeah. like, yeah. Yeah, but that was this like his a first goal. This is a basketball game. This is his first goal in like I don't know how many games. Like he had kind of gone cold even though like all his underlying metrics and play driving was like really good for him and his line mates, but like he just hadn't really found the points recently. Only his fifth goal of the season. It has been yeah, a little surprising. Bit quiet go. It seems like it's more, right? It seems because like way more just because it. of how much he spends the game in the offensive zone, like creating scoring chances either for himself or for his line mates through forechecking. Like the dude's a machine. And even on like when he's on the ice, even if it's not in his own end, you're hearing his name. Like you're hearing yeah. him involved in the play 
at all times. And I would lump Adam Gaudet kind of in the same category in the sense of like, yes. and we'll talk about him because, hey, guy got finally got himself a damn goal. Yes. Um, like, even when the offense isn't necessarily flowing for those guys, they're, you're always hearing them involved in the action and in the play because they're very good about get about getting in there and, and making stuff happen even yeah. when there's no goal or scoring chance to be had and that's something that are that teams that a team like the canucks really really needs and hoglander brings energy every single time he's out on the ice i mean you saw the play uh yesterday which i absolutely loved where he got hit by what was it brett kulak i think hit him uh no call like hit him up high yeah he, yeah no call no call Hoagland and buddy uh, Hoaglander kind of took the stick and the glove with him. Yeah, and Dragged then long they're on the ice. ice, and then yeah, they're on the ice, and Hoaglander just like as Kulak comes from behind to like pick it up. Hoaglander just like yeah. kick, boots picks the, it up, drags the glove, it further and away, and then yeah. drags the stick away from him, which is a total penalty, which is so clearly a penalty. Yeah, but got away with it though. Got away with it because the kid's a genius. Like that's 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 some that's some big boy play. That's <laughs> some five D chess. Like yeah, that's it's 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 a it's definitely one of those you're when this guy gets to his full potential because again this is rookie year he's just getting yeah, started when he gets to his full potential team other teams are gonna absolutely hate playing him and yeah, we are gonna absolutely love him yeah. and he, he 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 and even as the way that he plays he doesn't take a lot of penalties himself so that like helps like he doesn't take bad penalties or anything so he's no he's got the, the he's got the short king bias where everyone just <laughs> assumes me? everything he's doing yeah. is uh <laughs> yeah. is just what he has to do because he's small they don't think they don't think twice about it yeah. uh yeah it's pretty great yeah who me with the o in umlaut with umlauts over the yeah. o who I, me they'll start paying attention if he uh if he maintains his like streak of getting suspended every season for like a really oh. dangerous elbow, because like, that's kind of his oh, thing. Oh, That is true. There is the weird every now and then he does uh, do the yeah. red mist thing and kind of somebody uh, a little high. It's the pr- prison mentality where you pick a fight with the biggest guy on, in the yard so that no one picks up or fucks with you for the rest of the season. So Derek that's, Forbert, that's bound to come. <laughs> if he starts, if like, if like the Brett Kulaks of the Canadian division keep doing that, is someone's gonna, taking an elbow. Is, sure. is Hoaglander gonna like challenge Shea Weber in the next game? Like, yeah, like let's go. Like he's like the he's coolest just, thing. I have I have uh, I've campaigned for this for like the longest time. But the coolest thing that could ever happen is if Elias Patterson dropped the gloves for a fight, and now if Ooh, Niels Hoaglander dropped the gloves for a fight, because it would be like. You wouldn't expect it from a short guy, and you would never expect it from like Beanpole Elias Patterson. Because, like, there was, as a Jets fan, as you know, uh, one of the funniest and coolest fights ever was Nick Ehlers' first fight in the NHL. And uh, it was, was back when like Bufflin was on the team and whatever, and he uh, drops the gloves. And the way they had to position the camera angle, like, it was behind the net, so you could see Ehlers drop the gloves, and you see every single Jets player leaning over the boards, and they're just like, smiling ear to ear so happy that he's fighting and now he's got like i think he's got two fighting majors like every year since like it's so cool uh, i hate i think fighting is really dumb when it's like the stage fight like kind of oh, crap like the, like, like, the Met, like the zach McEwen fight with um foreboard like that that's so dumb the stuff like yeah i can't i could i, I could, have no time i could really get i could really get rid of that if heat I could. of the moment like anger over like a bad hit 
told i get it go for uh it. so if elias patterson sees his boy besser get like take a run or get a run at him uh, and he drops the gloves to defend him i'm all here for it build him a statue in the, I, in uh, the plaza just I, put it I, up i i i see where you're coming from but see all i can think about is that for every like nick ehlers fight like where that kid's first fight goes well there's <laughs> a taylor Huff, there's a taylor hall fight or i don't know spetchnikov's first fight but i know with taylor hall the very uh, in his rookie season and i remember this because i watched that documentary series what was it oil change or whatever when the yeah. oilers were really really bad i remember in that documentary hall got in his first nhl fight and broke his hand and he was out for months and i just remember and i'm just like oh my god i don't want to see happen yeah i cannot i would get i would like just be on like it would be i, I can't it'd be very like it. It, it would it would be i would enjoy it because i a, couldn't enjoy fuck. it because i would absolutely be like oh my god he's gonna he's break hurt, his hand oh my god he's, he's gonna break himself. his hand like yeah, yeah, like I'd be so worried about that, or like you know, like I mean, and even like Hoglander, well, he took the puck to the face earlier and just blood yeah, all over the vice. That was like, like oh my god, you're big, gonna kill him like, on one a fight gasp moment where you were just like, <gasps> Don't yeah, exactly. tell me his like, season is over because of that. Oh, it, like, it looked so much worse than it was because it looked like yeah. it looked like straight up he had just been like like chopped to bits by like a chainsaw because it was just blood splattered, like. Yeah. It was, you don't, like, I, I can't enjoy, if, I can't enjoy the fights where the guy, if it's a guy who I know shouldn't be fighting, like, <laughs> uh, until the, NA, until NHL phases out fighting entirely, I only ever, and I only ever want somebody else fighting their battles for them, because I do not want to see them get hurt for a five minute major, it's not worth Pro it, it's so not worth it. Provided, like... Patterson isn't fighting, like you said, Shea Weber or like Ben Sherratt or any anything like dumb. Like if he fights Nick Ehlers, okay, you know you well, go for it. Well, yeah, because but like it's just got to be like it's got to be the safe it's safe pick. Like you pick on someone smaller. <laughs> <laughs> just, just you know that's what we gave forward like crap for because he tried to like beat up Hoglander because I, so I don't thinner. mean like I don't mean pick on someone smaller than you but pick on someone your your size not someone pick who's on your like, weight your weight class pick your weight class you. because that's okay. what that's what Shvechnikov <laughs> did in the Kane series with Washington when he was like I'm gonna have a fight with alex ovechkin and ovechkin said to him like, oh that's are you right. sure you want to do this and he was like let's fucking go and then i forgot he, about and then that he concussed him with like a brutal brutal fight and, and i think was just kind of felt, like a, and i remember ovi felt really really bad too he was like well because he was like he was like oh god i like, warned uh, i warned him basically <laughs> saying you shouldn't Jesus. do this and he did it anyway and he was like i respect him for doing it but it's like you should not know god, do this to the machine the, if the canucks could play the capitals Hoglander would absolutely try and get in Zidane Chara's kitchen. He would just be like, "Let's go, big boy!" Like, oh, like a complete freak show fight, like Hoglander. <laughs> Which is funny because Chara. Chara actually doesn't fight all that much either. No. Like he doesn't. He's he's so he's they'd like, both be really uh, bad would... at it. He'd be swinging up. <laughs> <laughs> no, like Chara would just go okay, and like. Uh, like yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is how I get, which and is all my on fights. On the forehead, are. pushing him away. Yeah, pushing him away. <laughs> but you know what? He's playing well. At the end of the day, he is playing very well. Yes, he's looking like a guy who belongs very, who very clearly belongs in the top six to where he is. Um, another guy who has done very well of late, 
especially in the absence of Elias Pettersson. Like, Pettersson's been gone for three games, and they're winning without him. And he was the problem that, all along. How, who could have seen that? No. <laughs> um, it, a lot of that's because of Brock Besser. Holy. Yeah. That game on Saturday, he was a man possessed. Like, that overtime shift short. of his, where he just, oh, like, waited yeah, through all overtime. three players and then almost, like, deked out Price from behind the net and got the wrap that around. Was, that like, was, like, that was literally the best play of that game. That game yeah. sucked. That game in sucked. Terms of an Even the overtime value. sucked, really, but that one yeah. shift was, like, unbelievable. It, it was like watching... It was literally like watching in real time two of the best players in the world, like like two of the elite talents in the world, going up against each other at the same time. I imagine yeah. it's like what it would it'd be like watching, um, like maybe not to this level of. I'm not comparing Professor to this guy, but I'm saying it's like it would be like watching Mario Lemieux make that same move against Dominic Kosciuk. Right? Besser have... is basically Mario Lemieux, if you think about it. Oh, yeah. Yep, exactly. That is you know, what we're they're, saying. They're, they're exact... That's exactly what we're saying. That's The, the title of this episode is going to be Besser... Brock... Super... It's going to be Brock Lemieux, Bro... superstar. Brock Lemieux, superstar. Yeah. Um, it's... He... He, play... he played at a level this past... These past few couple games... Um, like a guy who is a, who is able to take a team and put them on their shoulder on his own shoulders, which is not something he had necessarily been asked to do because no. of Pedersen and Horvath. Like he's always asked him to be a major, major scoring piece, but never this is like, but not since like his rookie season has it been like, all right, this is my team for today, right? Yeah. And he showed up. He showed up in the best way possible. He that game against the Leafs, like he single handedly just dominated every time he was out on the ice i mean that second goal that second goal he had like shouldn't have even happened like it was a shot that was just a perfect seeing eye puck on that power play on uh with william nylander in the box for uh delay a game and he just got he just found the perfect shot he found the perfect spot to throw it and it got and it completely fooled freddie anderson with the screens in front perfect timing and then just seconds later, he sets up JT Miller in front of the net. Like, yeah. what more could you ask for Brock Besser? He's, like, been a complete machine, man. Like, he's over 18 minutes every single night. He's, like, like you said, he's basically just putting the team on his back. And, like, I don't think anyone was coming to the season being like, oh, yeah, Besser's going to be the reason why the first line finds its form again or finds any kind of scoring. Because, like, without him, they're nothing. Like, he is putting in so much work and i think this discussion was had on uh, the van cast where they were trying to figure out if uh besser had improved his speed and gotten faster or if he's just so like perfectly aware of where he needs to be on the ice at any time that it looks like he's way faster than he should be but he's just anticipating play at a way better rate than his line mates are right now and that's why what's leading to his success and i almost feel like it's a bit of both like his speed like has never really been anything to write home about but to this year like you you notice him way more on back checks his two-way games way better uh he's just been good man like last couple it's, of games, like without Patterson, like even if like two of the games, I don't think he had any points. It was still just like, like him busting his ass to try and help the team win. And you gotta, you gotta love it. 
how many years have we had like, okay, it's one guy on the team trying to put the team on his back and hopefully they win some more than they lose. And it never happens. First year it was Besser. The second year it was Patterson. Last year it was Hughes. And now this year you have Hughes and Patterson struggling hard and Besser's like, Hey guys, hold my beers. I got this. Literally Besser is 10 is top 10 in NHL points, which is yeah. Stunning. Like, that's absolutely nuts that he is, uh, like, when you consider the fact how, A, how bad the Canucks have been this season, and just, like, how dominant a couple of the other teams have been with a lot of talent around them, the fact that Besser has top 10, not only top 10 points, he also is, I believe, sixth in NHL goals. Uh... Uh, tied with, uh, he's in a four-way tie for sixth right now with Vincent Trocek, uh, Chris Kreider, and Dustin Brown. Holy, guys having a bit, talk about a guy having a bit of a resurgence here. Dustin Brown, wow. That yeah, we talked We talked about the Kings last week, like, a bit. Uh, Drew Doughty about is, like, is, like, third in NHL defenseman scoring. Like, they're just having, like, a very strange bounce-back season right now. And, and like... <laughs> Did you know Cal Peterson's their starter right now? I didn't even know that. I had no idea. Their Jonathan Quick is not their starter right now. It is Cal Peterson. Oh. Who has been there, who's been in the Ontario okay. Rain system. Yeah. Right? All right. Like cool. that's literally how little we have paid attention this year. I believe he yeah. has played the majority of their games of late. He's played he Cal Peterson has played, yeah. He has a nine he has a nine fourteen. Uh if I've got the if Elite Prospects is to be uh, believed, although we did find a like yeah, we uh, did find some errors. Uh, JD, if prospects. you're listening, uh, can you fix that, please? Thank you. Very uh, unacceptable, frankly. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, I had no idea, and then I saw. I think it was Jay Fresh Hockey posted like his like graph of like uh, saves of win like goals of goals saved above expectation or whatever above it is. expectation for NHL starters, and the King yeah. logo next to it had Cal Peterson, and I was like. <laughs> That, right. I'm like, you're not Jonathan Quick. Who are you? Like, like I knew who he was. Because, again, I'd seen him play in Ontario for, like, for the rain for a long time. Uh, right. Good to see him coming back uh, and do, having a great first, like, full year with the Kings, I believe. Because last year they had Jack Campbell up until the trade deadline. This is his first full NHL season for Cal. Good for oh, him. Yeah. Uh, but back to Besser. Um, the fact, yeah, like, it's it's insanity. Like, it seems ridiculous that he is up that high. On the yeah. points chart with names like McDavid and Marner and like all these other guys who are very, very good. Um, yeah. Matthews and Austin Matthews, of course. Like, and of course, especially Tom when Tavoli. you like, especially when you consider just like how bad the season had been for the Canucks, like heading into this, like took them 29 games just to get 11 victories. And the fact that like a Canuck is in the top 15 of scoring, like that's like incredible. That's pretty unreal. Yeah. That's incredible. Like that's. And and especially when you put it, take into account like last season, like I remember last season. Uh, obviously, went to a lot of games last year, uh, just because of you know co- because uh, there was no COVID at that time, and also just yeah. because I my first year back in Vancouver, I tried to go to as many games as I could, mm-hmm. and and obviously watched every single game. And I just remember there were points where it looked like Besser was doing well, but he never like look. There were never a lot of games where I was like, oh, he was 
dominant tonight or yeah. he looked like he just took over it was very much a he was playing like, the he supporter. was there and doing well he was the supporting cast for pd and jt miller who had a great year last year yeah. who had like the breakout year last year it he was always number three on that yeah. line last year this year he has been the guy and i think when pedersen comes back and more importantly even when pedersen gets back to playing at the level we expect from Elias Pettersson that he just kind of hasn't found yet this year. Like yeah. he's gotten close, but he hasn't gotten to that. He hasn't hit that threshold yet. Right. That I don't think Besser is going to regress back into supporting cast. I think it's going to be very much, much closer to a shared kind of, to a shared scoring, a shared scoring load. And yeah, hopefully what I guess an interesting question to put forward is when you have Besser playing at this level, I look at a team like the Oilers, who for a long time were very hell-bent on playing Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl together on the same line at all times, and it really affected the other three lines because they just didn't have the scoring to go around. Mm -hmm. At what point, if you're Vancouver, and I know this is difficult to consider, especially when you throw into the mix of like Bo Horvat and his importance on that second line— at what yeah. point do you have, is there ever a point where the Travis Green should consider splitting Besser and Pedersen on two lines to share the wealth? Or do you think it's better suited that they're always together for the better I, of the team? I'm of the mindset, like in a shortened season like this, you need to ride whatever hot hand you have. Uh, so one of those being Thatcher Demko, if you can get him games where he's rested, you throw him in 99 out of 100 times. That's what you got to do. Uh, same thing for uh, your lines. If if unexpectedly uh, Hoglander, Miller, Besser is a line that is producing you know goals at five v five consistently, uh, you stick with it. You throw Patterson on the second line with Pearson and Horvat or something like that, or you or you make Patterson the second line center with I don't know Vertanen and oh my Pearson. god, like I, I don't know. Like you, you, you figure out something basically so that you always have a hot hand to ride. Like you saw it in the Canadians game where Green even admitted, like in the second seat or in the second season, in the second uh, period, he was basically just throwing out whatever line combination he could get to give the team a spark. But if one of your lines is clicking at all times and your other lines need to spark, that's when you need to start shifting things around. You can't always pigeonhole pedersen into the first line with you know one guy always pinned at his hip because sometimes it's not going to work and so if you can get him on like a third line with godette as you as his winger and Roussel on his left side that's something that could maybe work for them i i don't see a problem trying it it's interesting that you bring that up because you know what I hadn't really taken into account this year is that there hasn't been like, you know, last year the lotto line dominated like all the storylines for most of that, for most of last season because of just how fantastic they were as a yeah, unit. Yeah. Um, this year there hasn't, has there been a line that has just been like, wow, every time they touch the ice? Like I know we mentioned Horvat. Hoglander well, yeah. at the start and that, Pearson that at the top of the legit. at the top of the season, but then mm. they really, really tailed off, particularly Horvat and Pearson. A Horvat and Pearson, depth. especially, yeah. Pearson, Pearson being the big one who really tailed off this year. And uh I, I don't love I, I'm sad by that because he did so well last year. 
Um, there hasn't been, like, games where the... Except with the exception of maybe, like, the Ottawa games. The lines have never... There has never been, like, one line this year where I've been like, oh, they look good. Like, I've never... There hasn't been really a hot hand to ride yet in terms yeah, of... They've, they've been waiting been basically all year. Individual players have done well. Like, mm. obviously, like, Besser being one of them. Yeah. But none of but there hasn't been that one group, that one trio that has just stepped out and just shown, hey, this is why you need to be giving us 20 minutes a night. It just hasn't happened for them yeah. yet. And on a similar kind of note in terms of last night, uh, when it comes to special teams, uh, they did not look good. They looked better in the fir- in the Ew. game against Toronto, and then there was that whole oh, that whole mess of a five on three right at the top of that Habs game where they I've already purged that five on three from my memory I (laughs) like that was just unwatchable that was atrocious that was so bad to watch that was a nightmare um yeah they did not look like that that was that was awful to watch and yeah aside from aside from that like yeah the lines have not the lines as a group groups have not found that spark yet and until you do yeah I guess keep shuffling them seeing what and in hope something sticks because right now they're not finding it from that part. But Besser has been yeah. very, very good all on his own. Agreed. Um, moving on to uh, one of the guys uh, that finally scored after a long drought. Um, I don't know if you were watching this, but I was watching the oh, I, I broadcast. Yes, uh, their their game day cast for International Women's Day. They had a ton of guests. If you haven't seen it, like you should watch it. It's pretty great. Um, I was watching and I kind of missed the conversation because I was trying to clip video while also listening to a game stream and their stream. And uh, Michaela Gaudet was uh, was dipping on the show. uh, Chew, which was like, I don't know. Dip is just like the nastiest thing to me. But hey, to each their own. And then uh, Mallory (laughs) at Sports Lesbian. She's not coming on the show. It's fine. Um, you never Mallory know. at Sports Lesbian was like, I'm gonna shotgun or whatever. And then so as she's like <laughs> like yeah. three quarters of the way through shotgunning her beer, uh Adam Goddett walks down the right wing and just like uncorks a rifle With a of minute, a shot. Like eleven seconds yeah, to go, something like that. Something clips stupid. off the bar off the upper part of the net and then out, and it's just like the, the ping, like I could hear the ping from my house i'm sure you could hear it from your place oh, yeah. too without the game even playing unreal goal just such a nasty snipe and they're like watching it and you see <laughs> michaela just you see like, michaela react. just celebrating and she's like oh that's gonna be such a relief for him and then <laughs> post game like maybe five to ten minutes after the game's over like they had like the players haven't even gone into their uh post game zoom availability and uh <laughs> Michaela's on stream and says, I just got a text from Adam. Uh, he said, thank fucking fuck. <laughs> Which is What's like- so funny about that is he, I almost, I am, I would imagine he had no idea she was on that broadcast. <laughs> and he yeah. just like, and he probably had no clue until he got home. Oh, everybody heard that. Oh, cool. so I, do it <laughs> I mean, that's good. Like, I like a lot of players are like really like private and like kind of no they're very... hide themselves right but like yeah. 
Godhead has made like a really good name for himself as like putting himself out there with like his Twitch stream, his gaming, his wife in their TikTok videos and Instagram and like engaging with like a fan podcast, like as like as much as they are. Like that's they they that's seem good like branding a, for them. Like, they seem like super sweet people. Honestly, they seem yeah. like the night like great. And, they seem like super nice people. And it it couldn't have worked out better that he texts her his wife like such a very like iconic like thank like that's gonna live on. That's a t shirt any goal that gets scored now it's going to be people quoting dang fucking fuck guaranteed and it like couldn't happen to a better platform because the broadcast is wonderful and just the the comedic timing of all of that is just so goddamn good so i urge any of you listening to this podcast if you haven't seen it check out the broadcast broadcast youtube channel and check their international women's day uh stream because it's really great um uh, asterisk after you subscribe to ours first do that but yeah first, you got and that then go to the broadcast that's the that's yeah. the that's the that's order the you have to do it in that's just i we don't make the rules like yes. that's just how it is you can um ch- and, chalk it up with mr youtube we, yeah we talked and we talked about hoaglander working as hard as he did i mean uh chris faber tweeted this out yesterday before the game uh, about how the two top producers in the NHL of individual scoring chances per 60 minutes at even strength were Brendan Gallagher on the Canadians and mm-hmm. Adam Gaudet. Adam Gaudet was number two, and he hadn't scored in a month. Or he had scored one goal yeah. in the last 20-something games, like something nuts, where it's like he scored one goal right at the beginning of the season, scored once after that, like five or six games later, and then never again, just never scored again kept getting so close so snake shots trying his hardest this guy worked and hustled for that goal and for and the goal he got wasn't even like a crap goal it was a nice just bar down shot and you hope that that's like the start of him excuse me getting the getting the opportunities and getting the goal scoring like the luck the puck luck going back in his favor and him getting a few extra Gracie goals here and there. Wasn't his second goal of the year also against Carey Price too? It, I think it, it was. Been. It was that weird one where from the exact same spot, he was walking down the right wing or he cut to center for a shot and then he flubbed it and it kind of hopped over Price's glove. Or was that? Uh, mm, I, I will look that up. Uh, um, I'll have to look it up. We, we, won't, we won't drag trying to search it up. Um, I'm sure you want to go a bit more in depth into uh Thatcher Demko's stats because uh Kevin Woodley was on the Vancast today, the morning wood, boing sound effect. Yeah, uh on the yeah, on his new uh, home, he on was on the Vancast and basically chewed into Benning and ownership and uh the management group for not getting Michael DiPietro any game action whatsoever, whether that be with the NHL team or the AHL team, which is like so true. Like how can that not happen? But then he dropped a uh, quite the bomb when he said he doesn't expect Ian Clark to be back, which for like, I don't know if you've been paying attention, but the last eight yeah. months or six months or whatever it is, all anyone can talk about is Markstrom's going to be garbage now that he's away from Ian Clark and haha, we have Ian Clark for Demko. Uh, three months later, looks like there's no contract extension in the works and Ian Wood- or Ian Woodley, Kevin Woodley expects Ian Clark to walk after his contract current deal is up because it's exactly what he did in Columbus. Uh, your thoughts as the goalie guy. 
Well, I mean, first of all, I'm not the goalie guy compared to Kevin Woodley. Kevin Woodley is the the goalie guy, and I absolutely we uh, we got to get him on the show too. He would be great to get on. Uh, you like, can you can have him on. I don't want to listen to goalie talk. I'm like oh, favor my, in that sense. I just oh my god. I, I'm You're good. okay. Whatever. Don't don't you can you don't have to care about the most important uh, player. You on can the have team. quads. You that's can have okay. quads and Kevin Woodley on and talk about goalies. Actually, I do think that would be really good. That would actually be but pretty neat, yeah. That would be pretty neat. Uh, and, I mean, if you don't want to hear about the most important player on every single hockey team, then I guess that's on you. I guess you'll just always be a little bit uh, behind the rest of us then. Um, <laughs> but... Um, I know what, I know the answer. What was that? I know the answer to that question. It's Tyler Myers. It's Tyler Myers. Oh my god! The answer to every yeah. question is Tyler Myers. Um, yeah. But like, yeah. So yeah, Woodley brought this up because again, he's actually like had experience working with Ian Clark in the past and everything, so he knows the guy very well. And he said yeah. basically, look in Columbus, uh, and not you should go listen to it yourself. I should say we're not going to free boot. Obviously, like you should go check it out. You should go check out the episode for yourself on the Athletic. But uh, Woodley basically said uh, in Columbus, they hadn't offered a contract extension by this point uh, three years ago uh, when he was still working with Sergei Bobrovsky. Uh, and he decided at this point of, in, of the, the year that he was done, that he was going to move on no matter what. He was done. Yep. He sold his house in Columbus. Apparently, he does not even own a house here. So that's uh, already ooh. kind of like, you know, hey. I mean, I, I get it. Housing what? is... Quite ridiculous. Housing in Vancouver is expensive, but it's one yeah. of those ideas of, hey, he's not putting roots down here, so yeah, you better sure. you if you want him to, you better back it up with an offer, right? Yeah. And that already puts them, yeah, in a bat the Canucks in a bat in bad faith here, where they have not offered an extension to Woodley and are basically holding out again till the end of the season to like address with the rest of the coaching staff, which is ridiculous when you consider that, like, look. Say what you will about the construction of everything else on the Canucks roster, but their goaltending is rock solid as far as de- as far as they are at the starting position right now and have been for the yeah, last years. Yeah, I was gonna years. say, uh, like ignoring, Holpe's, ignoring yeah, the backup, okay. but yeah, well, sure. like actually, Hol- uh, Woodley really went into the Holpe stuff, and uh, this is why I love listening to this. Was literally like I learned a lot just from listening, and I learned more about my about a position that I've played since I was <laughs> nine. Uh, just listening to Kevin Woodley talk about uh, Brayden Holpe and how his progression with Ian Clark and everything. Um, Like, I learned so much from that. But with, in regards to Clark, you better get, you better get an offer on the table because this guy literally, the work that he has put in and built up with Jacob Markstrom and now Thatcher Demko is like should speak for itself on its own like that it, actions you talk about actions speaking louder than words like look at what those two goalies accomplished in vancouver in front of let's be honest your bad defensive hockey teams yeah uh bad, poor defensive hockey teams and they put up Vez, like arguably vesna caliber numbers at least yeah. markstrom had at least markstrom did demko is Still working. It's still he's on his there. way. <laughs> he's on his way. He's yeah. definitely on his way. Uh, but I won't say he's Vesna Caliber just yet. It's still give him some time. Yeah. But I don't know why you this this should be like that should be an easy, easy, like here, 
like again, what what have I, what what I, I remember I said last time when I talked about Ian Clark not getting extension, which was back in the off season. I said the what the one thing you have in your control with coaches is there is no salary cap for coaches. Yes, give you literally go to Ian Clark, knock on his door. Hi, here's a blank check. Here's how you stay for however long you want. Yeah, like. Sounds you like be, Mr. Apollini isn't in the in the business of signing checks anymore. That's that's what, like the quotes that I was reading he, on Twitter, it seems like it's just a money thing. Like they don't want to sign anyone to deals right now, even but Travis Green, even, right? But that doesn't make any sense because you don't have to pay them right now. It's an extension for next year. You don't have to actually fork over any cash until July. Well, this year it might be August, uh, depending on how they... I forget how they've restructured the calendar this year. Right. I don't know how on earth... Like, again, like, and Woodley put it very clearly. Hey, this guy, if he goes to... He, 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 if he leaves, it's not going to be for... He's not going to not... He's not going to retire. He'll be able to find a new gig from plenty of other teams will be lining up for his services you know be lining uh, up for his services the team that just picked up jacob markstrom for six years i was gonna say florida but uh that also you imagine would... if in the span of like a couple months they lose all those players they did in free agency and then they lose judd brackett and also ian clark and then travis green to calgary well yeah. they wouldn't lose travis green to calgary but clark could go to the calgary but they, yeah, losing uh, all were, that in a in a calendar year would be uh, yeah. I will oh say, goodness. I, as far as like again, I don't know anything about the Ian Clark situation. I would say it's. I would say, um, I know they just put like that goalie excellence uh, setup in Florida, yeah. but I would not be surprised if they were like, uh, this guy worked out really well with Sergey Bobrovsky and a guy we now owe uh ten million dollars to every year for the next six <laughs> years after this. Yeah. And oh my god, we need to make this work. Like I wouldn't be surprised if they yeah. just backed Oops. up a backed up the Brinks truck for him in uh, South Florida. But as far as the like, I don't know. This should be the easiest decision here. Like, uh, like maybe even slightly easier than dealing than deciding what to do with Travis Green. Like this guy has very clearly, very clearly made your goaltenders better, and. Holtby yeah. has struggled a little bit just getting un- used to a new system. Uh, one of the things that was talked about was uh, Holtby was very much more of a feel, like a kind of play by feel, play it by feel kind of goalie beforehand, and had like uh, what Woodley really talked about is he had raw talent. Like the raw talent was more, mm. he was not a, a structured guy so much as he was just built on raw talent, which a lot of guys don't necessarily have. Right. Um, and this year he's been working with Clark on building more structure, a lot more structure into his game that he never had before this. Um, and maybe that's why, and that, and that's why it's going slow. It's starting out. It's slow. It's slow going for him, at least in the beginning. Um, and he could get better. It might not do, it might not get better, but it could, and it could. But regardless of that, the guy you have going forward is Thatcher Demko and he's doing fantastic. I don't know why you wouldn't just immediately you wouldn't just make that deal now even if you're tight on money this is a an investment in guaranteed like extra wins like you are by making by signing by bringing back Ian Clark you are guaranteeing yourself more wins because of how well he's worked with those with your with your goaltenders over the last 3 years 
Yeah, fair. Um, that's. And I, I mean, it's just got to come down to ownership, man. Like, if if they don't want to yeah. sign the deals, like like you said, on coaches that don't count against your cap, like that's. Yeah, like there's nothing think... you can do. It's it's you're stuck with the ownership group. You don't get to pick those. Um, and if they don't feel Ian Clark is the difference maker in Demko's game, or were a difference maker when Markstrom was here, or when Holpe is here, like, hey, it's their call to let him go. And if if it comes down to Clark, I don't know, maybe he feels he's getting lowballed and wants uh pay better pay elsewhere. Like I think he's earned it. Like I mean, I would say an offer of zero years and zero dollars is getting lowballed right now. So Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's what's... not a good look. Like, especially if he left Columbus for the same issues where he felt he was being slighted by not being offered a contract. Like bad look on the organization, man. This is gonna go down as like like in history as like a the worst year in franchise history when it oh, comes to communication, long-term outlook and actually like maintaining good relationships with the people within your own organization. Oh my, I didn't even, I forgot. They also lost Manny Malholtra. Well, that was different. That was a little bit different. Cause that was Malholtra was, was going to get an, though? yeah, I think, think Drance talked it. about it a few, a few weeks ago that it was different with Malholtra just because like he was got an offer from the Leafs that they the Canucks just didn't have at the time. Like there was just not a spot for him to do uh to take on an assistant coach like the full assistant coach role, whereas he was just like a face off specialist with the Canucks at the time. So they didn't have the room for him. Uh didn't they promote the... some guy from Utica to that exact same role as Manny? So it's like how... Well, like to take when when he left, like yeah. when he left. Well, when he left, they somebody had to take the face off role. Yeah, um, but like I'm think, but but Moholcher got a full assistant full, coaching full job assistant. running like the Leafs power play, which the Canucks already have that guy. Uh, they already <laughs> have Noel Brown. So yeah. who's done a bang up job going... this year? Ugh, ugh. Well, <laughs> that aside, that aside. Malholcher, they just didn't have a spot. They that offer was not there available at the time for him. The Leafs yeah, so were so once again so the Leafs go. That's once again the Leafs uh, capitalize on the development that the Canucks have done for executives and coaches, and uh, that's just the way it goes. Um, um, and you know, it's yeah, but like that is like a you know like I think Quads put it really well today, where he was like, I don't think you can really, I don't think there's much blame you can put on Jim Benning in this particular scenario. And I think he's no. kind of right there. Cause I don't think there's anything. I don't think Jim Benning, I think this is one of the few cases where I would see Jim Benning going if he could. Yeah. I'm like locking that deal in now. I think he yeah. would have done that by now. Um, uh, as far as everything else is concerned, that's a whole other thing, but at least with the goaltending, this seems more like an ownership thing than a manage than a Jim Benning thing. Well, Although those are kind of connected. I, yeah. Oh, I did want to talk about DiPietro, and I think this is, this is oh, okay. something as well, just very quickly. Sure. Like, first of all, I didn't, like, I legitimately forgot DiPietro was on the far, was on the taxi squad or even, like, at their disposal right now. I, because, like, and I think, a lo like, a lot of that is definitely due to the fact that I work a 9 to 5. I don't see what goes on in the morning skates much. Yep, I see very little going on there. I basically just go off what I'm seeing uh, in the games or on, like, the Utica score sheets and everything. And I did notice that I hadn't heard DPHO's name in a while. Yeah. And, 
holy Wood, Woodley went off rightfully like the fact that this guy is not playing any games and hasn't played guys he hasn't played since february of last year or yeah uh, yeah, yeah or march i guess of last more year. than but a year the, more than a year and at this rate will not play again until theoretically october like yeah at, the, at this rate holy, like they need to get shit, him that's terrible now but they like, can't that's because... ridiculous they don't. Well, no they can't one, afford a goalie. Apparently, they can't afford a third string goalie, which is I, which is asinine because you could very easily send him down. There are plenty of cheap goalies going on waivers, literally every single day. You're telling me you can't claim one of them? Like, come on! Like this is like it's so bad that he's sitting there. Like they didn't like they didn't even send him to a team like another Canadian team to play. Like, no. what are you they, doing? Like, yeah, you're going like to ruin have... this kid. Like, you're going to ruin this fucking kid because you're not playing him in any sort of games. Like, yeah. holy crap, get this guy into some games. Like, I'm getting mad. Like, he, like, it's true because this, I can, like, because literally, you know what? Like, this is an experience, like, obviously not at all at the same level, but I just remember one year, there was a year when I was uh, in Pee Wee. Uh, when I was playing in Pee Wee, I was about 14 years old. I had a coach that only, I had a coach in, like, a management like group and that like that coaching staff that only cared about winning and results and yes i was a bad goalie at the time <laughs> but like i was a bad goalie at the time but this was like this is how like for Can for any canadian listeners in the u.s it's like what i was playing like a i was playing on an a team which here is like a c team or like a b or c team like no one's going to the nhl it's just for fun right it's right. just a fun it's just a fun competitive league that's it yeah. it there's no there's no superstars but my coaches treated it like it was like development for the goddamn NHL. I play in a season where, again, my mom paid all the, ex my parents paid all the expensive dues and all the, all the stuff that comes with being in hockey. I played one fucking game all year. I played one game on a, in a season where there, where we had about 30. That is like, actually like so stupid. And it's like such a slap in the face to your parents too for like, who would like invest in you being able to play and having a spot on the team. Like that's so yeah. dumb. And, and that's like, Oh, but you're going to get so much prac. You're going to be on the ice at practice all the time. You do. I didn't improve. I didn't yeah. improve that year because I never played. I never faced a shot. Yeah. I only improved because the very next summer, that summer I was so my parents and myself were so mad about it that I went to a goalie camp for like, two weeks and literally just trained my ass off for two weeks because right. I was so mad. And, and then by that point I came back completely a different goaltender. And that was, I don't give them, I don't give the coaching staff any credit for lighting a fire under me. They didn't, they, yeah. I lost a year of development because of that. And right now in a much bigger, more important scenario, you're doing that for DPHO at the NHL level. That's yeah. unacceptable. That, I think completely um... unacceptable play him in some games, at least get him in an NHL game. You got Ottawa coming up next week give them both let's go yeah just like i mean i kind of get it like they they don't for whatever reason they don't want to run three goalies on their 23 man roster because that's the only way you can bypass needing one on your taxi squad and demko and holpe don't have waiver exemption obviously because they are they've spent way more time in the nhl than dpietro has so but okay you would have to then put two guy or one guy or whoever onto the taxi squad, which they don't have that many guys with waivers except like Michaelis or something like that, or Yule Levy. But like you can do it and get DiPietro into a game if you really wanted 
to develop him, but there's right. just like such an, a lack of effort to try and get him either meaningful AHL games or NHL games that like, yeah, Woodley is rightfully so pissed because it's like, you're just wasting this kid's year of development. I'm pretty sure because this takes a year off of his ELC, I think it makes him eligible to be taken in the expansion draft i oh, think oh no really? but well, I, I might be wrong it might be games but i thought it was well because he's still on the taxi squad service. so he's he, but he's still in the taxi squad so he's still technically not in the nhl right because he's not right but i think they said part of the taxi squad rules was it would count towards service on your your uh contract or something like that because they didn't want guys on their elcs or whatever to spend a whole year not getting any games and earn nothing out of it but at least they'd be closer to our rfa with arbitration rights or to uh unrestricted free agency i wouldn't that but wouldn't that happen anyway like even if he was in the ahl like i don't think it actually affects his elc at all because he's still playing on a on a pro team i think uh, it's still uh, again, this, this, in, is what if, I, this is what I'm. I had I had read briefly yeah. before coming. Let me out. look. I'm, I'm gonna look up Cap Friendly while you talk about it because I, I I feel like it would. I I feel like it doesn't actually make a difference whether or not he's in the AHL or otherwise. But I'll take well, a look while you talk. Yeah, like obviously, con- contractually, like if it, if it makes him expose, if it doesn't expose him, it doesn't really matter. The bottom of the line is the guy should be playing games. Uh, it was the same issue I had with Jack Rathbone not being sent down ages ago. Uh, he could have spent the entire season playing with Utica and have eight games under his belt instead of just the three that it has he has under his belt right now. So if you knew the coach wasn't going to trust him for NHL games, why would you keep him on your taxi squad the entire time? Just send him down when you sent down every other prospect and get him actual game action. Now you're in a situation where like the Manitoba Moose are like dead set on playing Mikhail Burdan. They're not even going to try to play Arthur Silovs. Like they've played him once, I think, and he was completely fine, but they're not exactly not going goalie, out of their way. So to, yeah. They have not no their goalie. Why would they care? He's, yeah. They have no reason yeah. to play him. So like, whatever, but you send D Pietro there and you bring up Arthur Silovs to be on your taxi squad. Maybe Manitoba then is like, okay, we have a guy who's like a proven AHL goalie. We can actually give our guy Mikhail Burdan a break and not ride him so hard in a season that technically doesn't really matter in the AHL because there is no Calder cup considerations. There's no tournament being held at the end of the year right now. It's just basically it's about as development as it gets. So the fact that the Canucks haven't done any legwork to get one of their prized prospects, some game time is just jarring completely jarring it's such a waste for him you could you could this is it's enough time that you could very easily completely change a guy's trajectory in terms of what their what their career could what they could possibly do in their career one year doesn't sound like a lot in the grand scheme of things but at that age at that at at that age at a development level like yeah, honestly, it doesn't even matter if it's a skater. Like, if you took a skater out of a game, out of the out of games for a full season, like that's a whole lot of catching up that you have to find again because yeah. you've suddenly not played a single game situation. And practices and scrimmages do not count; they are not the same thing. You have to get this guy into proper competitive hockey at some level. It's you. The, otherwise, you are very much. Could, you could very easily affect his 
career. And yeah. you do you think he's gonna want to play for you and sign a contract when is when that free when that RFA comes up? I don't think so. If you're gonna ruin, if you're gonna put his needs second like that, you gotta you gotta make you gotta make space for him on a team where he gets games in. I mean. What are the Comets even playing goaltending-wise right now? It's Jake Keeley. It's uh, mostly it's... John Gillies with Jake Keeley occasionally oh, yeah. splitting duty. But now the Blues have called up John Gillies to their taxi squad. So now it's going to be Jake Keeley or Jill Hofer or uh, this other kid, Evan Fitzpatrick. But Fitzpatrick is like an ECHL goalie who with terrible numbers. Like, he'll never get a game. I don't Unless... see why... I don't see why you don't just call up Jake Keeley at this point. Just call up Keeley. Just bring uh, up Keeley. He's not gonna play, yeah. clearly. He's yeah, not gonna swap, play. Just swap. It's the same thing. Like you can like I think Seelovs and DPH are both waiver exempt. So you can basically exchange both with the taxi squad and get them games in the Canadian North division for the AHL if you can get that deal going with another Canadian AHL team. But if you do the Utica Comets route, you would have to do the quarantine a bit, which I don't know if they want to do if it was just to get a couple of games in for for Di Pietro or whatever, but it's just I'm, get him something. Who cares? I'm gonna I'm gonna throw something out there that's gonna sound very stupid, but I think Dude, I love stupid. Be give me give me all should the stupid you got. If you want to get Di Pietro in games, in some NHL games. Do you really and? think anyone would claim Braden Holtby off waivers if you put him on the taxi squad for two nights? No. No one's taking him. No one's Especially taking that contract. Especially with that modified no trade clause. Like, who's picking him up? No, no one's taking that. You, I honestly think he would clear. Like, he's yeah, very sure. good. The name might be enough to someone to snag him anyway. But yeah. at that money and based on his stats this year, I honestly think you might be fine if you yeah. tried... It, you honestly might be okay. It'd be a huge gamble. The yeah, but... the only risk they have is like, say Detroit picks him up or something, because they have all the cap space in the world. They could pick. But him they already up. have Thomas Grice. They already have Grice. No, but... They already have. But they wouldn't pick him up just because they wouldn't have a spot for him. Where would they put him? Well, Are you going to drop Jonathan Bernier? I mean, they're I the worst team in the league, so that would have to mean that's three other teams passed up on him right so in theory they would just go back and forth and cl- making waiver claims but they would always have first priority as like the worst team in the league but they could claim him and then stick him on their active roster and then the canucks are now up sh- up shit creek without a paddle because then they would have demko no, their backup they'd be in, they'd be in the oilers situation they'd be in the oilers then, situation where they went yeah and then keely or silovs are your third stringer in your taxi squad like it would be I'm a disaster just, i mean but then maybe do? then maybe right, and i guess and thinks, i mean the like, main the main concern is um obviously is if you lose holpe as well um you have no protection for demko when the expansion draft comes up because you have no one else eligible yeah. so you have to expose him and that's yeah. not good so that's why everyone said it might be a good idea to keep louis Deming just for the expansion draft considerations and then they went out and signed holby i mean again okay so i like uh, we talked about this last night very briefly like very just to touch on this very briefly like um I, I started I asked if I should unfurl the banner of hey Lachlan was right that they should for dem for them to move on from Markstrom for Demco because I said yeah. that in the off season I de- you can go back and check the receipts on the episodes I definitely said hey uh you just it's time 
Demko's ready. Mm-hmm. Give him his give him the reins. He might take some time, but you should let him you should let Marksham go for the amount he's going to command. And you said they sh- I shouldn't because you feel that it just cements the fact that the Canucks managed their cap so poorly yes. that and I argue that that's actually not true in this particular case, at least for this for this reason anyway, because Regardless of what they signed Markstrom to, let's even if they had the cap room to give Markstrom a con- a big contract, come July, come July, the Seattle expansion draft happens. Do you really want to fork over this big contract to Jacob Markstrom only to watch him get plucked by C- by your new geographical arch rival? right off the gate like i would i think most but, people if you pulled them and said would you rather markstrom went to calgary or seattle i think most people at right now would be like uh after seeing what vegas did the last time uh calgary of would course say though, calgary that that discussion point or that question you're asking misses the nuance of what if you had actually built a team that has enough considerable assets that you could tell seattle hey don't take demko don't take Markstrom and instead take Cole Lind and you know you a levy off of our hands and here's a second round pick so you don't fuck with our goaltending situation because that's the issue because do you remember what happened last time a team negotiated with the expansion team and how badly that went yeah but like you know what like the the that was for that was for NHLers by the worst GM in the league who still keeps getting work like those, that was Jim, a completely different where situation. Where do you put oh, Jim? Is Jim not oh yes, Dale Jim Benning Talley. is a Jim Benning is a is a, a, a absolutely is way better than Dale Talon. No, he isn't. No, he isn't. He's. Are, are you kidding me? Dale Talon is a complete. Oh, idiot. he's bad. He's so bad. That's what I mean. Benning's Jim bad Benning, too. Yeah, they're but both he, bad. Yes, but I would trust. Like this is how bad Dale Talon is. I would trust Jim Benning to give up assets that aren't going to come back to haunt you to Seattle in an expansion draft if you were trying to keep Demko and Markstrom. Whereas I absolutely Dale Talon went like, out oh. of his way to set give them like a like a legitimate NHL forward. Like I'm saying he would give up prospects that have potential, but not guys who are guaranteed. Because that's always been his thing. He gave up he gave up early on Shin Carrick. He saw that he was a like an elite goal scorer in the AHL, but was like, I don't think he's going to be an NHL guy, so I'm going to sell high and get Marcus Granlund for him. And it worked. If he was going to give it to Seattle, he'd be like, okay, Cole Lind has looked pretty good transitioning to center, but he doesn't have a place in our roster, and I don't know if he's going to be able to keep his head up enough at the NHL level to not get murdered in his first year. See, uh, so let's I, sell high on him while we still can. See, Dale, I don't Talon, buy... Dale Talon, if he was running the Canucks, he would be like, the... "Hey, take uh, take Quinn Hughes off of our hands because he's too small, and keep leave us uh, okay. Brandon Sutter." That's okay, what a Dale but, Talon would do. Okay, okay. Dale Talon is a very bad GM. Are objectively worse than Jim Benning is at a GM. But also keep in mind that some decent GMs also got kind of fleeced by vegas oh, like yarmo kekalainen is a decent gm as far as i'm yeah. concerned he's like he's not great but he but that move done was some kind inch- of like no one but, was ever going to be like oh william carlson is going to be a first line winger on you, a vegas team 
but you should you should be able to know when a guy is gonna go off for 40 goals like that but, but they had no idea because he was barely cracking fourth line minutes on their team and was crack like splitting time that with doesn't the sound they had like no idea that sounds like their problem that sounds like their fault they looked at a guy who could potentially break out for 40 goals and didn't play him that's on them that's but, like okay. like yeah. It, he wasn't like ever once proving that he could be a 40 goal scorer. <laughs> I guess <laughs> like, like okay, though. but what I'm saying is, is that a lot of teams that negotiated with Vegas got completely shafted because again, they don't have, because they have no leverage in that situation. Like look how many, how many draft picks Vegas stockpiled up from trade, from just dealing with teams. Like they just, they just took like, they had so many great picks. Like what the first year they got, yeah, Cody and Glass and Nick Suzuki and then use them to basically build a juggernaut within like yeah. five years. Yeah. Like that's like, I am very much against the idea of if Seattle comes up to you and says, Hey, we're taking so-and-so you don't go, well, Hey, let's talk about this. You just go, okay, cool. Thanks for letting me know. Don't do not negotiate with them. You will lose you every single time. Terrorists. Basically, I, 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 I'm just of a different mindset that I believe you could have negotiated with Seattle, especially now that the I believe they changed the expansion draft rules to prevent a Vegas like situation where they could hold teams hostage for like, you know, seven picks and this, that and the other I thing. Think they're the same. I think they're the same. I think they're exactly I the same. Could have sworn they they said they changed it. And that's why people were kind of mad about it. But uh, oh, yeah. And, Ve and Vegas is a. Uh, uh, Vegas exempt, exempt, which is like they just the biggest F you to the league. It's like, it's like, are you kidding me? They have the yeah. best, they have the, the most stacked team. team. Give them some, like, and like, give I think someone something. did the math. Like they had of the original, like 23 or 31 guys they had picked up, like only like seven or something are still with the team. So it doesn't even matter. Genius. Like yeah, they, so just, they nailed it. They nailed that draft yeah. because they literally went, they, like, well, what's funny is, yeah, you are right in the sense of, like, a lot at the time, everybody was like, uh, you made some weird choices. Like, I don't yeah. agree with most of this. Um, and then it, and then it did just... The Florida ones and mind. the Anaheim ones were, like, the most egregiously, obviously bad. Who did Anaheim... Oh, they, Shea they gave Theodore. Him Shea Theodore. <laughs> oh, that was a bad yeah. one. Oh, that was bad. Yeah. And, oh, I think Clayton Stoner went with them as well. Who did they, yeah, they gave them Yeah, they gave them Shea Theodore to be like, please take Clayton Stoner or something. Oh, like that. and, and then the Wild like, gave up Alex Tuck for, to protect, uh, who was it? Somebody else. Like, again, look at all the guys that ended up being huge and are yeah, still on that who. team. But most, yeah, of the, um, most of the guys, that's the key there. Most of the guys who are still left are the ones that got traded that got traded to protect someone else. Yeah. Those are the ones that are still there and turned out great. Like that's, that tells you, that tells you something. I, I don't think that's entirely a coincidence. Yeah, fair enough. But, uh, um, but we'll get off of that, I guess. But I, at the end of the day, I think Demko, Demko's your guy. Keep yeah. him going. Keep rolling. I'm just with saying. Him. Imagine a world where you had Vesna caliber Markstrom and Bubble Demko for a regular season as a tandem. That would be great. Even if, like, if you gave up, if you like, say you did have to give up, uh, like Jet Wu or Jack Rathbone to make that happen. If you had two Vesna caliber goaltenders, like into this season, like you're probably a lot happier than, you know having Demko trying to carry the load for two goalies. I mean, I, mean, I think the team are, yeah, I guess like, in the, at the, in the, the grand the problem, scheme of things, the, the, the problem comes back to, in a way, almost like 
the goaltending is clearly not the problem. Like even if yeah. you put Jacob Markstrom yeah, in front exactly. of this team, they're not winning any. Yeah. They're not winning any more games. You're than not. They have. You're not winning more games with Travis Hamonic in front of uh, Jacob Markstrom and yeah. Thatcher Demko more than you are with Thatcher you might win ha- Hamonic in front of Demko and Holby. It makes like yeah, a marginal win, difference. Like the, they might win three more. That that's not enough. That's not enough. Yeah, that's exactly. Not the needle. It would look great, but you need. S- like based on that off season, you needed so much more to go right from their player acquisitions and like contract signings, extensions to actually make the effort to keep Demko and Markstrom make sense long term. But right, and, and that's why I said last, and that's why last year when I when people were asking who do you prioritize in the in free agent, which player are you prioritizing? My my immediate was Toffoli, like hands down, because they needed Toffoli more than they needed markstrom because they already had demko they yeah. didn't they and even like tanev was a guy who i i thought that i felt i felt fine that they didn't bring back because he yeah. was getting older and i was worried about that next contract and it was such an off year too you were like there's no way he's gonna go a full season that again, was completely uninjured yeah, like but, it's just no way right but even then i was kind of like with tanev i can still see more need for him in terms of what we have what he, we what we gain with what we lose without him here versus right. what we lose with Markstrom out Markstrom here because Demko's right. already ready. And uh, on the assumption that DiPietro is playing games, DiPietro is going to be ready in two or three years, but in, from that point too. So, which, which goes in line with uh, <laughs> the yeah. team philosophy in two yeah. years. And now, I guess, speaking of roster changes in terms of the trade deadline coming up relatively uh, under a month, I guess, from now. Or a little bit around a month. Soon Um, enough, basically, the way time Uh, is flying by. Yeah, seems like it. Um, Elliot Friedman on 31 Thoughts today uh, dropped a little bit of a tidbit in there today. Um, uh, Quoting from that uh, article, It sounds like there's some interest in Vancouver's Tyler Mott, who played well in last season's playoffs. This is the time for telephone flirtation where teams ask about so many things that don't go anywhere. I think the Canucks were asked about Nate Schmidt, but I don't sense that's got legs. Um, um, I mean, I mean, yeah, I definitely don't, I see why the Canucks wouldn't want to move on from Nate Schmidt, especially because of, uh, there is nothing there. Because they're in a playoff hunt, one, uh, two, they live day to day. And right now they are in it to win it. Uh, three, they never think long-term. They don't think that Schmidt's deal is going to age poorly, which like, I don't know. Fair don't enough. If it, if you don't mm, think it's going to age well, then that's on you as the GM. I think you'll probably you'll get more out of his deal than you will Tyler Myers. Oh, well, that's a given. But that's a like, given. That's a given. Uh, but like Tyler Mott, I mean, barring his injury, like he was setting himself up to get a hefty pay raise on his next contract. And if you could move him now, you might as well do it because you're probably going to lose him for nothing after his next deal. Or sorry, at, when when he uh, goes for his next deal because he can't afford him. You so, got two. You have two years of Mott right now. You have one. So this is year one. You got one more year after this. I would say right. with Mott, what he brings right when he brings when he's healthy. He's injured mm-hmm. right now, but when he's healthy, he brings a he is a helpful piece to that bottom core, and that's somebody that I wouldn't want the Canucks to move on from because he I, does. Really? Kind I of, I think he's probably one of the. F- Because I think the the commentary always was like the only guys you can really extract value out of are Besser, Hughes, Horvat, Patterson, and 
like you don't want to get rid of any of them because they're Obviously. your most valuable people. Right. But if like Tyler Mott is actually like getting calls from the league, if you're not expect like if you're the GM who's just said we don't expect to be competing with elite teams on the regular for another two years, uh, that'll be when Mott is going into U. Already, I think already a free agent. Already, yeah, he's gonna back. be a free agent. So if you can cash in now, do it because he doesn't fit in your long-term plans unless you're planning on, I don't know, like working your cap around a guy who at best is your, is like a third line forward. If everything goes right, that's not long-term or short, short-term planning. So like, I, I think you would have to take those calls and actually see what you can get from a team that's looking to bolster their bottom six. You might as well. I, yeah, I actually, I totally see, I totally see that logic. And um, with Nate Schmidt, and I think in a certain, in a similar kind of way with Nate Schmidt, uh, I think I saw a couple people on Twitter today saying like, you know, um, if this were a better team, Schmidt would be a good piece. But considering yeah. how bad they are, you might as well try. Yeah, and you might as well move on. You only it only cost you a second round pick. See if you can flip in, that in for two something. years from now. It was like it wasn't even a pick from that year. It was like we'll give you a twenty twenty three pick. I think that Jim gave up. It wasn't something even that year. So it bad. was it was a great like, return for like little to nothing given up. So if if Jim had the option to flip that asset within a year for even more return like look at the habs or whoever it was when they they i think the the gold knights traded for tatar and gave up like a a first a second and a fourth or something and then they re-signed him and then traded him and got even more of a return back or I can't, I can't remember what the deal was, but they, they didn't basically... get more back. That, they paid way too. They overpaid for Tatar and didn't end up using him as much as they did during right. The and, then and then someone else traded him to Montreal. Yeah, and they paid nothing. Where he got a lot better, a lot fat. Where he got a lot more yeah. useful to them. But I think uh, they did. They did it twice in a year. They did that with some other player too, where they spent nothing to acquire him and then got three pieces in return for getting rid of him. So it's like, it's that same kind of logic. If you can, if you can buy low and sell high, you do it every day of the week. If you can get Schmidt on that contract for a pick, that's like likely never going to turn out to anything. And you can flip them to a team that's trying to contend and you get like a premier prospect and like a first round pick off of them. Oh man, you absolutely do it. If you can flip him for a like a young right shot defenseman to play with Quinn Hughes on the regular and you move on from Travis Hamonick too, man, you do that every day of the week. You got and, it. And the good thing with Schmidt as well is that if you don't the, there is no pressure necessarily to move on from Schmidt this year. So if you don't get a good offer, you don't have to move him right away. Yeah. I mean, he has He's on year two of a set of a six year deal of a yeah. six year deal and under a manageable like under six million dollars, very manageable for what he is capable of, uh, of what he's capable of compared to, like, say, some of the other contracts. And theoretically, like if 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 there isn't an offer that doesn't blow you away, you do not have to to make it. In yeah. this particular case, it's not yeah. if like you can't sell with... high, then no. that's like might as well just right. grid it out. Maybe next year, if the team is still this bad and someone still keeps calling, then you just sell it. You might as yeah. well. 
you can you can field the offers and not make and then not do anything with them it's totally yeah. up to you and whereas compared to say like a Tanner Pearson who is on an on, on an expiring contract where you are very much under the gun to get something done before the trade deadline and yeah. get him somewhere and get P- recoup assets back for him now you can very easily make the case that it's just that uh if a trade doesn't blow you away it's better with Schmidt it's better off just it's more valuable to you to just keep him so go so get, see what's out there look what you can do and like we said at the top of the show, even regardless of what kind of call-ups you make in the from AHL guys down the ro- uh down for the rest of the year, you yeah. could still find a way into this postseason, into at least that first round against Toronto or Winnipeg or whoever comes up. You can do it. Yeah. It's totally there. Definitely. Um, well that I think wraps up all of our Canucks news, but we had one big piece of NHL news. Uh they reporting right now uh, an NHL deal with ESPN for seven years. I would play the ESPN yeah. uh, the NHL theme song from the yeah, we'll 2000s. Get we'd get, but we'd get dinged, uh, yeah. which sucks because it's a great song. If you've yeah. never heard it, uh, go listen to it. It's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll play it on like a Patreon pod yeah. or something this week where they can't find us. Um, but um, as someone who lived in the States, this is huge. Like, well, yes, everything like everything is going to streaming. Obvious, obviously, streaming is more the way than ever now in terms mm-hmm. of uh, where your money, co- where your broadcast money comes from, and everything. Yeah. Um. But as far as sports are concerned in the states, ESPN is still like the tastemaker of yeah. the of uh America of what Americans watch in terms of their sports. If it's not on ESPN. Uh, at least in a re- like semi routine regard, they don't they don't care much. Like it's not as yeah. it it's clearly ESPN's not as like popular. the like the pedestal. Like you get yes. to ESPN and it's like, oh man, it, that's the sh- that's the show, the show really, of shows. Yeah, it really makes your sports like cool or like popular in a sense just by being on the associated with the channel and having games on there regularly. It immediately makes it more important in the zeitgeist out there. Yeah, and. So this and w- whereas compared to NBC, like I complained for years about NBC coverage. I hated watching games on NBC, and like they're yeah. like the broadcasts are fine, but they could have been very clearly doing so much more with those broadcasts than they, they were. And I was always very d- left super disappointed, especially compared to like what you get out here in Canada. Like there's so much more. Uh, in terms of like even with two channel only two channels like doing everything and one channel who has a monopoly on all the national rights here right like it's still like loads better but that's because they know that they're going to be in competition the next time that contract comes up whereas nbc like as far as they knew for the most of the time they were never going to have to give that that to anybody else they didn't care they never so they never really innovated they just kept the same churn out the exact same product year after year after year after year and it got boring and sucked and i had to watch mike milbury on national broadcast <laughs> for yeah. years like yeah. america's sweetheart mike milbury mike milbury it's so bad and what's big about this one actually about this deal uh is that this is non-exclusive that's uh which is really big as yes, well because it means massive. that's where the that's where the innovation comes in yeah. is that now uh a 
you're gonna your your sport is now whoever comes in with the next offer, which could all still be NBC. NBC might take it, although they're shutting down uh their sports only channel and they're just yeah. gonna be showing games on like I think it's uh like USA and like NBC and like the regular NBC channel. Right. Um but that's gonna go, but get you're gonna have your sport on more national channels, whether that's them or CBS or um uh, who's the other one? Fox out there. Mm-hmm. Um, that means more eyeballs on your sport and, again, more national recognition. And more it, chances for innovation and variety, which yeah, is it, great. Those brand, those companies, those TV stations will absolutely be competing with one another for your hockey eyeballs. So they will, they'll do more and they'll try more to, to make a better product, which is yeah, great. And, sure. uh, and also... Being in the same business with Disney on such a big thing, that's big for cross-brand promotion, especially now that uh, compared to the last time they were there uh, on ESPN, which was 04. Now you're talking about the people who own Star Wars, Marvel, like basically everything. We will probably see a lot of like like ham-fisted Star Wars nights on the NHL, which will be cute at first, but they'll get super super tired after the eighth star wars night of i won't the year. get tired of them i won't get tired of them ever give me iron man night let's go oh, God. I, I, you know what you know what you know what they need to do they need to do um they need to get connor mcdavid to do like hi i'm connor mcdavid and you're watching disney channel and do like the, oh my and God. do like show up on like disney channel doing like the drawing the mouse ears thing that i be, i would that, i the think the most would be worth hype it for that alone the most hype thing that could come from all like the non-exclusive thing is if we get um, Nickelodeon uh, Nickelodeon yes. hockey games on Twitch, and it's like every time someone scores a goal or like the goal like puck hits the goalie, they get slimed. That'd be amazing. Like, I'm down. For I that. I would love that. honestly. Oh, I'm so there for that. And that's actually like I was literally I, I I made the joke when that NFL game happened that this is all just getting us prepped up for when the nhl does nhl on disney plus broadcasts like that's what this is leading towards because they're also getting uh streaming rights and that's espn plus hulu and disney plus are all a bundle in the states so that's massive for for them on the streaming department they could get a lot of you could see them getting a lot of cross-brand promotion on things like disney plus which is i believe like has already become like the second largest streaming service in the world behind Netflix, just because of uh, everything they've done with like Marvel, with Marvel, the Mandalorian and like all their original and all the fact that they have literally all the Disney cartoons you could ever want. Like that's a, that would be massive for the NHL if that goes well in their direction. Yeah, I believe it. Well, this has been really actually kind of nice. We had a little nice spirited debate. Oh, we also got to talk about wins. More Canucks games in the states. That's also what this means. Oh yeah, that's true. So if you ever go on vacation, you can. Uh, you can uh, total yeah, aside, we might, before, have Ameri- we might have American listeners. This is a complete aside. It has nothing to do with like NHL hockey, but um, in Maui, there is a bar called Moose McGillicuddy's. I've oh gotten my God. absolutely blitz there several <laughs> times in my life, and. Um, there is a Manitoba moose, like pr- like in its prime, 
like Canucks version of the jersey and it's signed, but I can't read out who it is. But it's got like Manitoba Moose merch. Do you have a picture of it? Over it? I, I did. I got to find it. I'll uh, post it on if you Twitter. Find the, yeah, if you find but the picture, post it's it on so the Twitter. It's so unreal. So, like, in theory, next time in Maui, they could be playing Canucks games and I won't have to like go out of my way to search for it. So, that's pretty cool. My my parents went to uh, Seoul, North Korea, or North South Korea, <laughs> in uh, the very different South Korea. Back uh, in the 40s. Very, two very different places. Yeah, went yeah. to they went to Seoul. Um, I think four years ago now. Okay. Um, and while they were there, they actually saw a they actually saw a Canadian bar called like uh, I think it was called like the it actually was called like the Canuck Bar or something like oh, that. But cool. it was supposed to be like Johnny Canuck like bar yeah, sort yeah. of thing. But like hockey jerseys everywhere. And apparently they saw a couple Canucks jerseys, like people just wearing them out on the streets while they were there. And they sent Damn. me pictures. I'm like, that's so weird, random and cool. So yeah, everywhere. Hell yeah. Well, that's awesome. That's very wholesome and makes me feel good about the global impact that the that the hockey has from Vancouver. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, everyone, don't forget to follow our YouTube channel. We appreciate all your comments. Uh, we had a great one, I don't know, a couple weeks ago that was like a full script of the David Ayers story. And like I, I occasionally go back and read it because I, don't know, I just <laughs> find it really funny. It, yeah, we love your comments. Uh, make sure to rate oh, and subscribe okay. to uh, uh, to us on your favorite podcast uh, streaming service. Uh, we like those reviews too, and we really appreciate it. Tell your friends about us. We appreciate that. Um, you can also check out our Patreon where uh, we've got exclusive content in, on $1 and $5 tiers, including Lachlan's uh, annual power rankings, or not annual, but like bi-weekly Weekly. power Weekly. rankings. Um yeah, just appreciate your support. Appreciate you guys listening. Our views have gone up steadily uh, since we got the Faber plug, so that's really good. We appreciate Faber. Yeah, mostly we appreciate Faber. Some of you other <laughs> listeners we do too, but mostly Faber. So thanks, man. Uh, Lachlan, where can the fans find you and your you can, work? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Lachlan the Crease, and you can find my work at LachlanTheCrease.com, uh, where I do those uh, North Division power rankings every single oh, yeah. Sunday. Uh, Cody, where can they find you? The fine folks, the fans, the thousands of fans of the Crease Cast can find me at Cody Sievertson on Twitter or on the CometsHarvest.com website. You can see it in my Twitter bio. Game recaps, stats, all that crap is constantly coming out of my stream. But anyways, guys, we really appreciate <laughs> you guys tuning in. Uh, thanks for your support. Uh, we will catch you guys this upcoming Saturday for an episode that will re or recap the second Montreal game. And I believe the first, uh, was it Calgary or Winnipeg game? Uh, I believe it's, it, it might even be Edmonton, actually. It might even be Edmonton. Oh, uh, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think, it, I think it's Edmonton. Uh, well, folks, until then, until we actually know what the schedule looks like, <laughs> <laughs> we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.